What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Madhouse Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Graham. What's up, everybody? Our special guests, Brendan Christ. hi And Ian Figueroa. What's up? And I'm Ryan Byrne. And uh, this is the fourth episode. Been a month since we started. Has it really Ooh. been a month? Already? It's been a month now. Oh. It's been, Jesus. Dude, it, time went by fast. I've been here I for really, half that. I really was not expecting it to have been a month already. That's kind yeah. of crazy. Fourth yeah. episode, right? Yeah. Fourth episode. Time, uh, time flies by when you are constantly in the same place. <laughs> I mean, Corona. just because we're in one spot doesn't mean stuff isn't happening. Absolutely yeah, but not. unfortunately, uh, we can't experience a lot of it. Personally. You guys uh, hear about the Tony Hawk remaster? I did. I heard know. about it, but I haven't heard about like anything about it. Uh, so they're remaking the first two games. And, like, actually remaking it, not just being like, yeah, we're putting it out on another console. They're not pulling the, you know, Resident Evil 4 approach. So, they're redoing it. I don't know if they're going... (laughs) Well, look, dude, Resident Evil 4 is on every device you can imagine. I could play that on my printer if I wanted to. Skyrim's on the Alexa. It can't really, uh... You can't really go there. Skyrim does have a beat, I think. Todd Howard. Todd Howard is displeased. But, uh, yeah, it's a complete remaster of the first and second game. And, like, if you look at before and after pictures, I think GameSpot actually puts them out. I saw It's insane. It's like, so because it was on, like, really old consoles, view yes, distance too. wasn't a thing. So it was just like, oh, yeah, this is whatever place. Now it's like, hey, you can see the environment. <laughs> you actually know where you are. <laughs> In all honesty, I'm really excited for the remakes because Fucking I Fucking Tony Hawk skating yeah. in Silent Hill. I st- yeah, that was what the originals was. It's, instead of view distance, it was just like, all right, you, you like Silent Hill? We'll just do that. Uh, yeah. But now, oh, hey, uh, grinding on this rail, and I'm, uh, I see something like two blocks over. Oh, I'm going to do a sick, nasty kick flip over that. Dude, I'm excited for them. Uh... Based on previous, like, the past couple Tony Hawk games, uh, I think it's going to be bad, but I'm hopeful. So, Uh, Question, though. Do you think they're going to bring back the story of, like, underground skating? Because do you remember the plot of the plot of that? I feel like they have to. I'm sorry. Is the plot of Tony Hawk Pro Skater (laughs) that they've banned skateboarding, so Tony Hawk and his crew need to open up an underground (sighs) skating ring? It's actually post-apocalyptic skateboarding. Yo, that would be honestly pretty (laughs) dope. Fallout with skateboards. Fallout with skateboards, but uh, it's the Fight Club of skateboarding. (laughs) He's dissociating, and it's just he's making all this (laughs) shit up in his mind. (laughs) Sorry, spoilers for those who haven't seen Fight Club. Uh. Tony Hawk's in a coma. He wakes up breathing (laughs) heavily, and they're like, Tony, you've been asleep for 10 years. And he's like, my skateboard? I can still nollie. But uh, the plot of it is, is, um, I remember you got to, like, make your own skater, and it's, uh, you're just some small-town kid. It's just Build-A-Bro. It is. It is Build-A-Bro. And you and your friends start, like, recording videos like those old 
like 2000s like oh, handheld yeah. camcorders of like Classic. Yeah, yeah. hey yo do uh brew uh brew uh bro. wow yeah bro do the sick nasty kickflip over this uh like ravine or some shit and you dude ollie my sister <laughs> and uh, basically you just go around and you start building up fame and everything and I know at some point, like once you get enough fame, you get signed to like some esports uh, e- from like e-sports. Yo, game Tony Hawk's in esports. Yeah, man. <laughs> he on X get, game. Uh, yeah, you get some uh, signed to like some sort of X Games sports shit. Yo, what if then... Tony Hawk owned TSM? Goodness. <laughs> Tony Hawk wow. is the mid laner. Oh. Uh, he he definitely would be a talent mid. Yeah, dude, oh. we're totally gonna lose. Yeah, dude, we're totally gonna lose. No jungle pressure. Whack. <laughs> the jungler totally biffed it. Biffed. <laughs> but uh, besides like Tony Hawking announced, you guys hear about Cyberpunk and uh, you get to customize their genitals. Yo, dude, I'm making I... the like smallest I... micro peen I can, <laughs> but I'm like the biggest burliest dude. I cannot wait to make this absolute Ken doll hunk of a man and just have him have the weirdest looking corkscrew banana cock. Uh, I, I wonder how far they go with that. It's just like, say you're uh, creating a female. It's just like, yeah, I want the left labia just a little bit. Uh, I, really, I just, like that's what I'm thinking. I'm just sitting here thinking about it. <laughs> what poor fuck did they hire to sit in some like dark, barely lit room? Code that and oh sit there God, and like, I want you to make 26 different vagina types. I like, want you to make 36 different cocks. If I can't see a difference between each of them, you're fired. And they like, slide them prison style meals under the door. Dude, they just God. set up a depth meter for it, <laughs> and it's just like how deep you want it to be. Also. Like, let's be real, like, oh my god, the whole, like, because apparently aren't there, like, first-person view of, like, sex so person sex there's first-person yeah, scenes, exactly. and they that's what got it an AO rating. They have to individually render each, uh, like, t- uh, each You have to render each, each curve. Each curve, uh, <laughs> like, each fold, like, it's just, like, how, why? How? Uh, well, it's not really how, considering shit that's being developed. Uh, like, that shit's wild. But So, I was talking to my brother about that game, and he was like, yeah, all these people think it's going to be like, you can do anything you want in it. And he was like, yeah, it's just going to be Deus Ex made by them. <laughs> and I was much, like, yeah. I sat there for a second, and I was like, holy shit, you're right. It's just Deus Ex. Uh, uh, like as it's much as just yeah, Deus it's, Ex. it's very comparable. I've played the Deus Ex games, and I've also done a lot of reading on the actual like tabletop game that Cyberpunk came from. And I'm really hoping that they uh, add a lot of those uh, elements from the tabletop, like rules and everything, and just cool. Ideas. I feel I want cool we... mantis blades, and that's about it. There was the Year of the Bow. Year of Zombies and stuff in games. This is just like Cyberpunk's year. Like, in just media in general, like movies coming out, games, like everything seems to be leaning towards Cyberpunk now. Which I'm like, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. Uh, Sign me up as soon as I can get anything replaced. 
I'll be test dummy for that. <laughs> Let me be the first person to get a cybernetic upgrade. I want I want laser hands. Give me give if I'm not able to shoot nails out of my toes, dude, I don't want it. Yo, I want cybernetic <laughs> intestines so I can just like shoot stuff out. <laughs> So you can oh. be a fully functioning human again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That oh, kind of just reminds me of that, uh, or at least what comes to mind with stuff like that is, uh, any of you ever seen the movie Upgrade? I was literally thinking no. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've seen it. I have I, not seen I think, that. I think both of you would enjoy it because it's a movie about... Uh, cybernetic sort of upgrades. Cybernetic upgrades and... I guess sort of the ramifications of stuff like that, like AI. Basic uh, premise from a dude who's never seen the full movie, but has seen like most shit about it. Dude gets like a weird AI thing in his head that's like a cybernetic enhancement, and it basically makes him a super badass who like kills people very easily. And like it's a whole story of like, I'm pretty sure either someone killed his wife or took his wife or something, and uh, he's trying to find out who and get revenge. Okay. Am I, am, I, am I close, Brendan? That's pretty damn close, yeah. Yo, nice. can I interest you in a small movie? You may have never heard of it. It's uh, called Blade Runner. It's kind of similar. Uh, you know, androids and stuff. You know, I actually haven't exist. heard about it. Oh, really? Uh, you know, it's super small indie movie. Small indie movie, you probably never heard of it. Wait, is that where they, they got the idea for Blade Runner 2049? Uh, actually, they're completely separate. Uh, they just stole the name. It was a whole thing with copyright, and, uh, they killed someone over it. Ah, understandable. Yeah. (laughs) 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 They killed someone over it. I don't know, like... Poor dude. I'm all for, like, let's just keep advancing and get to points where I lose my mind over it. And... You know, it's similar to that. Uh, Unreal Engine has put out stuff today showing oh, yeah. the new God, one. God, dude. Unreal Engine. Quite literally <laughs> the biggest Not. ever. <laughs> I mean... Dude, like, I feel like we are getting to a point where, like, how does it get better? Like... It, it's legitimately getting to the point where you can't differentiate video games from real life. And, like, I know people said that, like... Back when PS2 came out, like, this is so realistic, it can't get better. But I legitimately think we got to that point where we're just like, I don't know how we get better looking games than what we're looking at. When I had first looked at the article that you had sent to our group chat and everything like that, uh, showing it, and it had, like, the little picture that just, like, you know, leads up to it. Like, you know, when you're about to click the article, that kind of picture. I thought it was legitimately just a picture someone took from, like, Mm -hmm. Egypt or something. I didn't think it was, like, rendered in the engine. I thought it was a legitimate picture that someone took. And to go into that article and sit there and watch and watch the video and listen to them explain how they did it and everything, it's honestly incredible because we've gotten to the point where Uncanny Valley is everything. (laughs) Okay, let me put some backstory for people who haven't seen it um epic games put out a article today showing that they have their first playable build of a ps5 game so they showed it off in their new engine unreal engine 5 and this is footage coming straight from a ps5 dev kit which blows my mind because i'm looking at it and i'm like that looks better than my computer 
and that makes me mad. It's entirely unedited, too. It's unedited. Yeah. yeah. Raw footage. And, like, looking at it, it's like, at one point during this video, they're like, here, let's show you how many polygons there are right here. And it looks like just static, static. on a TV. And it's actually just, like, some of these polygons are so small that it's just, like, you can't tell unless you're up close to it. It's they, insane. I, I'm pretty sure at one point when they were showing off the triangles and everything like that, they talked about how there was over 16 one, billion, 16 billion different polygons. Okay, so I think that was in one one of the frames too. That like was, it was just one model. In, when they yeah. got to the one room where they had that model in multiple places, they said it was over a hundred billion polygons in that one room. And it, that I was, number. I was literally looking at that, and I thought the entire time it was just the cinematics. Like, oh, look, we can like put out better looking cinematics. Yeah, but that's but this, all real time. That uh, that render. is the cinematic model and, that they're yeah. rendering in real time. The Dude. <laughs> the part that got me the most was probably there's a part in the video which we'll probably link it below or something. Yeah, but. There's a part in the video where the character walks up to a door and they've been able to add a whole bunch of different interactions with the environment. Yeah. It's like procedurally generated interactions. These interactions are not like, you know, planned. They're not sitting there waiting to be triggered or anything like that. And the character walks up to a door and puts their hand up like a human being would to like grab the door and like lean in. And that to me was incredible yeah. because that's not, you know, a that was a procedurally generated reaction that was not planned that was not like a trigger set up like okay like when character x do y no it was quite literally the ai and everything is so advanced now that this shit can walk up sense that there's a wall and be like oh i'm gonna put my hand here yeah. okay so the biggest thing that i was looking at and blew me away was like light in that because i'm a nerd yeah, about it like in video and you, stuff i was gonna bring that up Seeing how they can have a non-static light source that can go onto walls and stuff, and it's smart enough to bounce off as it goes from something that, like, they didn't plan, like, oh, you shine a light over here, but it's still going to show on walls and stuff, that blew my mind. And the last time that I had this whole experience of, like, I think we're just getting to a point where stuff looks too good was Final Fantasy Advent Children when that came out oh. on DVD. I remember seeing a scene from it, and I was like, I can count the hairs on that character. And I was like, this is peak. Like, we can't get better than this. And then, like, two years later, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> We're better than this. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but also, like, just smaller things with the lighting in the fact that they got uh, both the bouncing of light, like, very, very realistic. As well as uh, I, I watch a lot of uh, videos about like CGI and stuff like this. Shout out to Corridor because they're dope. Uh, not sponsored. They, no, it's not. But <laughs> I would uh, love to but, do stuff with them. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but Sam, hey, hit they, us up. Hey. <laughs> they talk about stuff like uh, ambient inclusion, which is when uh, light will actually pass through stuff like your ear or the tip of your nose. Uh, at certain angles, and you'll uh, you actually see on the character like 
some ambient inclusion for the fact that it like will go into their skin and bounce off slightly from yeah. uh, that, and you can see uh, light from their ear, uh, like on the over the shoulder camera and everything from that sort of handheld light that they have. It's ridiculous. The idea that like it going back to like procedural generated stuff, like they were talking about at one point, like. They were talking about how the character will react to the environment while they're climbing and naturally move their feet and hands into spots that would make sense for them to rest while they're moving up. And, like, looking at Uncharted, which is very similar where it's just, hey, you're going to climb this big wall, uh, mash whatever button, and, you know, shut your brain off for a few seconds— Seeing that actually be made in a way where it's uh, pretty much just they figured out how to put it together without it feeling like it's just something scripted. It'll go wherever it feels is the most natural. It, they're making video games more realistic, period. Yeah, Like, they're starting to fully mirror real life. And that's really cool because we as humans are so unpredictable and wild and we can do whatever and would like, you're, you're never going to find two people who do the same thing the same way. Everyone yeah. has their own way to go about doing things, even if it's only like the most minor of differences. And that's really cool because now video game characters will go out of their way to do what they feel is right. Not this is spot where I put hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we get to a point where, they are too realistic, though. Like, is GTA going to become a big deal again with, oh, it's too realistic, you can go kill someone, you can buy a hooker in this game, and, like, murder everyone. Is My that going Jeremy's to- Jeremy's in Bible school, I don't want him going to no strip club! Who bought Jeremy that game? Oh, I did! I oh, no. Well, I just thought it was a game at first! Those concerns will always be there. Have been there since video games have started. Getting it makes sense. Like the ESRB is there for a reason. They're yeah. there to show, like, hey, this game isn't for children. And I think like Cyberpunk's going and run through that. They got hit with a AO rating in Brazil, which mm. yeah, it. <laughs> To be it fair. was hilarious seeing their response to that. They were just, yeah, we got hit with that rating. Yeah, we go hard in this. We don't fuck around. Yeah, we're not trying to make no baby game. <laughs> this is the same your mama's game. They listed everything that they had that gave them that rating, and I was uh, just in shock. I was just, oh my god, this is going to be an amazing game. I yeah. never actually read that, so hit me with some of those. Let me hear some. Uh. Full-blown nudity, like, Terrific. the CGI and sex scenes, which are first-person. Uh, they're violence in a lot of different ways. Absolutely is... terrific. I think the big ones were the first-person sex scenes, because you... And so part of that is you can't show someone orgasm in a game without it being uh, AO, which I never knew that, and... That's part of why it's AO, which is, uh... <laughs> you, it's just, oh, hold on. Uh, then that, that means someone actually has to, like, animate and render the nut. Oh, uh, yeah. So... 
Is it that I, same it, okay. fucker? Dude, they got like, nut physics yeah, in this they game. Have nut physics. I just want to say that if they don't have someone in the credits of Cyberpunk <laughs> as just nut engineer, <laughs> I'm mad. Uh, you think they did mocap? Oh. Gosh. <laughs> Uh, no, for that. Hold on, for the people that. How would you wear the mocap suit? Hold on. All right, Greg. We just want you to stand there and hump this pillow for a couple minutes to pretend you're not. There's just one of those mocap balls on the tip. Hold on. There's gotta be. uh, If uh, what would be funny as shit? All the people who worked on like the customizable genitalia, the first person sex scene, the nut rendering. Oh man, that resume's gotta be great. One, yes, and two. That uh, that whole like section, if it's not called within like the development team, the G spot, like that's <laughs> they're missing it's out. It's the perfect opportunity if they don't. Do that. They really exactly. are. Like if, if some Jersey schmuck can tell you what that is, like you gotta. What I do you mean you can't find the G spot? It's easy. <laughs> I can find it with my eyes closed. I've been doing this for like two minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I. I feel like there is a point where games are, like, we're getting very close to games being so realistic, getting to Uncanny Valley, that the experiences that people experience in them, which is a dumb sentence, but what people go through in those games, I think are going to impact as much, if not more, as movies and any other media that's out there. It's very crazy now because it went from being a very different thing where you watch a movie, you sit down, you experience something, and then you play a game where you sit down and you you know you can experience a story but in a different way. Now it's kind of merging together where you're getting these basically interactable movies, yeah, which are not like you're sitting there with a remote and it gives you 30 seconds of shrek staring at you before you choose you know option one or option two and then it plays the the adding on movie clip it's hey here's a legitimate thing that looks like a movie but is fully interactable and you can do anything you want with it look rain was the start of that walking dead walk so games could run now is the best way to put it telltale as like shitty as a of a company they became like really did Oh, man. Their best game was Wolf Among Us. I'll fight people on that. You live long enough to die a hero, or was it was you? You, you die, either die, you die a hero, die a hero, or live hero long enough. Live long enough to become a villain. And goddamn it, Telltale, you yeah. chose option B. Oh, they shat the bed on that one. But <laughs> I really do think there is going to be more games that start showing up that are just like interactive movie style and not like it you know what was it night trap or fucking whatever on there was an old game that was one of those where it's just hey we're gonna play video and you do interactions to it and they'll just show up with the interactions and it's just like fmv full motion video games they're still around but this is like the next step for them i think absolutely it's also just crazy if you sit down and you think about how video game graphics to begin with like you go back to 8-bit 
where they're little pixels on the screen. We level up to 16-bit, where it's like, oh, these are some nice-looking pixels. Then you get to, like... 32. 32, and then you're skipping up to, like, Nintendo 64, where it's, like, Super Mario 64, where you get a very clearly polygon Mario running around... In 3D space. In 3D space. Then you move up, you got GameCube, and now you got Mario Kart Double Dash and shit like that, where you're like, whoa, dude, these are are pretty cool-looking dudes. And now you jump all the way up here, and it's like, is that a person? They have a tiny man in my PS5. It's really interesting seeing that. Because <laughs> not like in a bad way, games still appreciate the old art styles. Plenty of games are coming out that are still 8-bit, 16-bit. And like, yeah, they're, they can share the same space. And it's not just nostalgia. Everyone, when people, st- like, indie developers in particular, started doing 8-bit, 16-bit games, everyone was like, oh, this is just nostalgia, no one's going to care about it in years. But some of my favorite games are those games that are 8-bit, 16-bit, and it's easier to go back to a game like that than to go to a game that was on, like, PlayStation 1 or PS2, because... I think that lends more to the controls in those games. They did not know what they were doing. No. You try and play a shooter before Halo, and it's the worst experience. You're just walking around and like, oh, yeah, you can't aim with the right stick. You gotta, you know, use the face buttons to turn yourself 90 degrees at a time. Fucking cool eye. (laughs) They slap you down there, they give you a pat on the ass, and they say, hey, good luck, kid. Are there any games that you guys want to see built in these engines now? Oh, one that comes to my mind is one that I've been playing relatively recently. Um, it uh, goes by the name of Kingdoms of Amalur. I remember that game. I remember it coming out, and I remember not picking it up. <laughs> it was from 38 Studios, and Big Epic Games were the two ones that... Bioware. Uh, no, it wasn't a Bioware. Or it was Bioware. It was a Bioware. It was Bioware because they games. had a tie-in to Mass Effect, where you could get gear from it. That's the only reason yeah. why I remember that game. Yeah, you're right. But um, that game had an art style that was kind of a mix between like uh, high fantasy and like cell shade ish. But uh, just uh, as I've been replaying through this game, it's just. Uh, the story is fairly uh, decent, could use a bit more polish, but company spent like $17 million on this game, or like $12 million, and then went bankrupt because of it. That game deserved more. It did. But I think it, it came out at a bad time. Something else had just come out right around then, uh, so it got overshadowed. Came, I think it was something like uh, like Mass Effect and uh no that was like two years prior i think it was like skyrim or some other big rpg like that it it came out at a bad time it's a good game and looking back on it it deserves it deserved to get a sequel because with a sequel i think they would have been able to really put that game out there and make it more like accessible Bioware does still own the IP, though. Yeah. 
So you never know. My vote, it's going to be something that I think Brendan would also agree with, probably when he missed and he's going to hit himself for missing. But I would love to see an 8K rendered Fable game. Ah! Oh my god. <laughs> that would be amazing. He, he's kicking himself because he, he completely did not think about that. Fable Fuck! with those graphics. Can you imagine just walking around in Fable with 8K rendered graphics, water physics that mimic real life to a T, like the incredible like light and all the refractions and shit, and then like, oi, lad, oh, you're walking around Albion and you want to fucking kick a chicken into the next fucking county? You can do it in 8K now. That chicken will adapt to its surroundings. As it's punted, <laughs> you can see every individual uh, feather and each hair on the feather. Oh my god! God damn it! You're right. Cause fuck, literally my name for like from like middle school to like high school, still now in some accounts, is one two three four Fable fan because that was some of the first games that I played on Xbox. Besides. Assassin's Creed and like Fable were like the two big ones that I had started. And first game of the series I picked up was two. And let's be honest, two was probably the best. It was. For those who played it, yeah. Uh, it's three, I still had fun. The other games were broken, like promises and just filled with lies. Yeah, two kind of delivered though. I know it might sound dumb, but the game that I want to see in that graphics would be Fallout New Vegas. Oh, or like a sequel God. to that. Give me that God. and I'll pay so much money to walk oh. around the wasteland with Fucking... amazing light rays coming through and reflections. Running, walk... running running, through the Mojave being chased by an 8K rendered Deathclaw. Death <laughs> no, for me, what would be the probably the most exciting to see would be like Julius's return. And oh like his God. fucking centurion armor, just AK battle scarred and everything, because you can see it in regular <laughs> New Vegas. But just imagine that, like fine detail. Fine imagine detail. fine detail Casdors, and that would give me nightmares. <laughs> okay, Casdors kind of already give me nightmares to begin with, but like an AK one coming at your face, uh, no. I'd the idea of like you're walking down the highway at night and hearing a super mutant come up behind you in 8K. Oh. <laughs> with a stealth boy just you don't know he's there but the light reflecting off of him just, you can no. kind of notice it would be like ever so slight too it'd be like a oh. heat wave in the air and you're like wait yeah. a minute <laughs> you're like wait a second it's cold as shit out here it's minus 40 check the pit boy it's like uh yep uh, well i'm fucked dude just imagine in playing fallout and your character walks into a building and they put their hand like on a table or like they put their hand on the push wall, open they the door. Head. It, that the uh, the strip. Oh my god, that would be if they had these resources when that game came out. It would really up the like grandiose in the scale of the like strip because that would just be insane. It's, al it's already the best Fallout game. Ian, you've been very quiet, so I'm honestly got very interested in hearing yeah. what you see right So I actually haven't played literally any of the games you're talking about. But because I, I grew up in Nintendo household. Oh, yeah. Nintendo boys. Yo, yeah. Breath of the Wild was pretty much any... that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Um, I think I think a good game that would, I guess, from Nintendo would be like maybe Mario sixty four. Oh, I mean, that's uh, what we got Odyssey for. Yeah, but Odyssey, if it had those graphics. Uh, I yeah. would feel uncomfortable seeing Dude, Mario be, next to people. That'd be like, I, I already hold do. Hold on. I think I'd be uh, very yeah, New Dog yeah. City. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen that for like that that weirdly like 4K render Mario face where it's like oh yeah Mario? oh with the oh. weird mustache? Yes. And all that? Can oh, you imagine that gosh. guy coming at you in 8K? <laughs> Dude, imagine 8K Mario nips, just like. <laughs> Mario is an Italian man. He should have a hairy chest. Oh, yeah. Another good game um, would, would be uh, Mario Sunshine. Dude. Oh, like Sunshine. the water physics oh, Speaking of Sunshine. Crazy nice. There's uh, stuff that is rumored to be remakes of Sunshine and both of the Galaxy games. Ooh. Which is getting a remake on uh, Switch. Is Again? it a full remake or are they just porting Wait. it? Full, uh, they... full, uh, full remake. Okay. At least from what I... I've, from what I've heard. So, the thing is, in Mario Sunshine got a very bad rap by a lot of people. Yeah. Mario Sunshine is one of my favorite Mario games because it's different. And imagining the island that Mario's running around on with like realistic sand physics yeah. would be insane. Just seeing him kick up sand and, like, a shore come in and, like, actually smooth it out. Mario yeah. Sunshine uh, walked so Odyssey could run at me. Because you have the, the companion on your back, except now it's, uh, in Odyssey it's a hat. Cappy. Cappy. Yeah. Uh. Honestly, it would never happen. Never, ever happen. Yeah. But 8K Dead by Daylight. That is straight nightmare fuel. Uh, like, that because would, you have, yeah, that oh, would be scary no. as hell. Dude, you already have stuff like uh, the Wraith. The Wraith, in my opinion, is kind of gross because, like, he's got the whole wrapped face and everything. Chicken yeah. legs. Chicken legs. So, Ugh. plus he's running I... around invisible. You just see, like, a shimmer of his outline. <laughs> uh, the hag eating your liver and, like, biting uh, your neck yeah. in 8K. <laughs> God, those Mori kills would be gross. <laughs> Myers pinning you again, like is stabbing just you on the knife and holding you there. Oh man, stabbing you into a tree, just <laughs> just so that in AK would probably be yeah. the scariest fucking thing ever. But that I would know. be like trauma worthy. Games, I hate horror games. I don't hate them. I just am a pussy, so I can't play them. And recently, my brother uh, tricked me into playing a horror, not horror, but like super atmospheric game Which one? called Dusk. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard anything about it. It's PS1 style graphics, so like super low polygon and everything, complete opposite. But I want to say it's made by one guy. And damn, that game scares the shit out of me, but also has one of the best soundtracks I've heard in the past, like, year. And can set a mood really well. It will, like, spawn you into a open, like, field. And all you see around you is, like, hey, here's what looks to be a church. And, uh, 
you can go open the door and go in. Uh, when you do, though, you open it up and three guys with chainsaws run out at you and you shit your pants because you didn't expect it. <laughs> My brother tricked me by being like, yo, I'm having a problem with this game. And then I was like, oh, what are you having an issue with? He's like, it's after this level uh, you get to the cornfield and it'll happen. And I was like, all right, let me see if I have the same issue with it. I'm terrible at, like, opening up games that people recommend me. And he tricked me by doing that. And I played through the level, got to that point, and I messaged him. And I, as I was playing through a level, I messaged him, and I was like, this is just going to be me playing this game, isn't it? And he's like, I don't know. And then I got to that point, and I messaged him, and he's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? And I was like, God damn it. It's too late, right? You you gonna keep playing? But it it's crazy seeing these games that one person makes because I feel like indie games are filling a lot of voids that triple A games are kinda like lacking in. Yeah, where or sometimes neglecting. Exactly. Yeah. A game that's made by, like, EA or Bethesda, a ton of companies, they can put out a game where it's, oh, hey, we have microtransactions, we're just going to wait on patches for bug fixes, stuff comes out and it doesn't even work half the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas indie games consistently now are one person or, like, a few people will work on it and put it out and it's crazy acclaim for them because they have the attention to detail in them they don't have loot boxes all the time and stuff i don't know but i feel as though triple a games are very good but they aren't filling what people want in games all the time if i can give my two cents Please. i feel like it's very much like indie games are basically one man or woman or like a small team's entire heart and soul being poured into this game. Like they are putting their all into this creation because they want it to succeed and they want it to do well. And they want it to be something that people remember and that, you know, people would be like, man, this game really defined something for me in my life or whatever. And then big corporation AAA games now are like, all being released way too early deadlines are being pushed you know maybe the game's not ready yet and the, the big corporate money grubbers are like we want money put yep. out the broken not good game what do you mean <laughs> anthem's not ready send it out i want money oh man anthem was a shit show when that game came out almost as bad as predator ends. was Never once you once you found out that the numbers that appeared when you dealt damage in Anthem were fake. Were right. fake. Really? They weren't real damage numbers. They just put a whole random number generator kind of bullshit. So whenever you shot something, it would just be like, oh, numbers. Hey, dude, to not put the number that you're dealing as damage, why? Just why? It's easier to oh, put God. the real number in than to fake it. They had more effort to make people think they were dealing more damage than they weren't. At one point, I think it was that the the, ga the gun you started with in Anthem dealt the most damage out of any gun in the game. Because of how the, their whole like system worked. Because how it they started Anthem 
was not as a shooter. It's it, it just was not built for it, and so they had to build a new engine for it from the ground up, and it just was released unfinished. Wow. I feel more and more now, I'm realizing games that are made by AAA, I'm not as interested in as games by small studios. I've been playing Slay the Spire like a madman for the past few days. Uh, that game's awesome. Probably one of the best roguelikes ever made. And I played hours upon hours of Binding of Isaac and stuff. But I see a lot more people saying, oh, this indie game's my favorite. Or like, oh, this indie game was one of the best games of the year. And you don't... I didn't realize it till recently that that has grown insanely. Where games like Celeste and Undertale have like crazy huge cult followings that... I never would have expected from an indie game like six years ago. It's... Yeah, I don't want to be the one to say it, but like Five Nights at Freddy's was one that immediately like stuck out in my mind. It ha it still you know? has a cult following and yeah. inspired it's... plenty of spinoffs. From... It's blown up. That game yeah. wasn't for me, but I could the tell The first one why. was, oh, sorry. Go for it. Oh, the first one was just like humongous. It just really took off and then you know, he started making a couple more. Um, it's just like those. It's hard. It's hard to imagine that it was just made by the one guy, and I think he had a team later. But um, just that first game being that popular, where it's just him making it, like that was insane. The biggest game for me in that regard was Stardew Valley. That game. Yeah. is so big and it's only one dude one guy that was just like yeah this is my passion project i want to make this uh i hope people like it and he put it out and that game is still going strong with people that play it and watch it and everything and i'm not gonna lie me being a, a smooth brain that I am, I can't contemplate the whole farming aspect of Stardew Valley because he put his heart and soul into it. And it's an actual like, oh, these are the best seasons. These are best planting rotations. This is when you should do this. This is when you should do that. And I'm like, haha, sword go burr. <laughs> well, I, dude, I, I don't know. Stardew, I think part of the reason why a lot of people like it is it's not just harvesting crops and, like, talking of villagers like Animal Crossing. Like, there's combat in that. Combat, fishing, romance, the whole nine yards. See, from my point of view, I came from... Uh, I originally just was not interested in Stardew Valley, because I was like, uh, why, why would I uh, play that when I have a game like Harvest Moon, if any of you have ever yeah. played that. It's essentially everything uh, Stardew Valley is, except there's no combat. It's literally just a farming dating sim, essentially. Did you say Harvest Moon? Yeah, Harvest yeah. Moon. You remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was about to mention Harvest Moon. Yeah, yeah. Harvest Moon. Uh, I love that game. I still have my copy for uh, for the Wii. I forget what that game was called. I have the GameCube version still. But, uh, yeah, that was the game I started with because... I was uh, I enjoyed uh, that kind of stuff, and it was just simple, menial. I was like, "Haha, 
then I picked mm-hmm. up Stardew Valley and was like, okay, I kind of get it. But then I started getting a bit deeper into it, and I was like, oh. I remember back in high school, I think it was our junior or senior year, I can't remember what, but I think, I think it, it was like me and Brendan sat down one night and I was like, hey, I've only played this game like twice and like I lost it both times. Do you want to sit down and like start a farm together? Um, it's whenever they had multiplayer. I cannot remember when they had that was our That was our junior year. They, they introduced Something like that. Um, but I remember sitting down and being like, hey, do you want to, you know, start up a farm together? Because I, I can't get into this on my own. I just, I'm not big brained enough for this. And me and Brendan sat down after school. Like we got home from school at like three o'clock and sat down and it was 2.30 in the morning on like a Wednesday night when we were like, oh shit, we should probably leave. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we were just in middle conversation. Uh, we were talking about, yeah, because I remember you were like, hey man, I'm going to go get upgrade our barn so we can get more cows and i was like oh dope i just finished up the optimal uh fall rotation and then it was just like uh, i've looked at my phone because i got like an email or something and i'm just like oh fuck it's 2 30 we both kind of panicked because we were everyone like, has had games where they're playing and they don't realize the time and then they look and it's just oh it's 4 a.m i should sleep at some point <laughs> oh fuck sleep's a thing yeah, but then that weekend we did we slept maybe a total of four hours during the weekend because the whole weekend consisted of how far can we get in Stardew Valley and still function as human beings afterwards. Uh, we got a little too far. I think so. Indie games as a whole, with more people getting interested in them, I think part of the reason why they were so popular at the start was they didn't need a publisher, mm. which made it a lot easier. Hey, we can put out a game digitally and throw this out and people can get it without having to go to a store and pick it up. And with past years, games are getting big, like, in scale oh. and also in file size. Uh, uh Witcher 3, 96 gigabytes. My brother downloaded Warzone yesterday. It was 100 gigs to oh download... Warzone for Call of Duty. And I was like, that's insane. How far do we go till we're like, alright, we gotta cut down sizes on games. Guys. How big is Cyberpunk gonna be? Rainbow Six Siege is like 90 gigs, 60 gigs at this 96 point. 96 gigs. 96 gigs, something yeah. like that at this point. Which, the when they first dropped that one big update, I remember when we were in it, we were all like, Oh, wow, an update. That's cool. How much is it? 36 gigabyte update. And we're like, what? I wanted to play this game tonight, not in a week, thank you. It took me two days to finish that download. I had a 36 gig update yesterday. <laughs> Halo yes, 2. What? Halo 2 came out yesterday on PC. Uh, or, well, technically today. But they put that out, and I was like, yeah, I'll go like launch up the multiplayer, play for like an hour or so. Then I looked down and I was uh, just like, oh, this is a literal 36 gig update for the multiplayer. Not even single player. Wow. Do you see games going solely digital at a point? Mm. Possibly. But I, I... Go ahead, Brendan. I, I was cutting off. 
as long as consoles are, are around, while well, yes, they still offer like to purchase those games digitally, you have limited hardware space for that. So the hard copy kind of frees up that space of where it's only, oh, hey, this is save files instead of having to both read the entire like 346 gigabyte game that we'll have in like eight years. I want to say yes, really badly. I want to say that digital will take over in regards to physical, but there's just so many limitations with digital like the Nintendo Switch or whatever, you got to get a micro SD or else you got like yeah. barely any space. You can fit like two games and then you're shit out of luck unless you get a micro SD and those only go so big. And yeah, some of them get pretty big, but you're eventually going to run out of space and discs. It's it's a lot easier because you're less likely to run out of physical space than you are to run out of digital space, at least when it comes mm. to like memory restrictions and hardware and shit. And then on top of that, you get these games that are old that are being or indie games that are being released as like special edition limited run hard copies where people are going out of their way to drop, you know, hundreds of dollars on these games because they want physical copies of them. It's kind of like that thing where there is a certain special or speciality or special to like specialness to physical copies where it's a lot different to sit down, go on to Steam, and spend 60 bucks and be like, I have Borderlands 2 now, in comparison to opening up the red Borderlands, you know, loot chest you got for pre-ordering the game, opening up the, me- like, a smooth hardcover metal case, and then, like, looking at the game sitting there and be like, now nah, that's a game. It's, it's a whole feasible difference. It's palpable, the difference in it. And I feel like that novelty of the physical discs are going to keep them around for a long, long time, if not indefinitely, period. I agree with that because, so years ago, I would have said, oh, everything's going to start going digital at some point. But my brother is super into collecting, like, physical Switch copies and limited run and special reserve companies like that where they'll put out a game that's like, Hey, it's normally an indie game on the eShop. We're going to put out a physical copy of it with, like, an art book, some stickers, and, like, little information from the game with a physical copy of it. I can see why that is so appealing, because if it's a game that you're really into, like, you've bought every version of it that's come out or something, you would be inclined to want to pick up that physical copy if it's a special edition. And, like, I ordered a copy of Hotline Miami on Switch physically from them recently. And I see people picking up special editions of games, and I can see why people will pick up regular editions of games for underdeveloped countries. Have you ever heard about FIFA still being released on PS2? Really? No. The newest FIFA games always get released on PS2 because Brazil. Brazil ah. has a very heavy amount of people still playing PS2 games. So Bele! every year, yeah, 
every year it's like, hey, let's go pick up the new FIFA and play that for the next year on PS2. <laughs> and it, there's a whole, like, gray market of video game consoles there. It's really interesting to hear about where they're making, like, pirated consoles to play games because they can't get them made in their country. Mm. And I see why physical games are still being released because of that. But I think overall in large-scale, like, fully developed countries, you will have people shift more towards digital downloads as the cost for a gig of memory goes down. And I could see people still collecting, but not as many people buying physical now. Mm. Yeah, I was going to make a similarity between, like, CDs or vinyl versus streaming music, because it's kind of the same... Yeah thing if you think about it you know um uh i have a couple vinyls um that's like my collection not really of video games or anything like that i don't buy too much of those um but like i think there's always going to be a market for physical copies um whether it's games audio whatever um just because everyone likes to have a collection, everyone wants to have something physical to represent them or what they like. And like, although downloading um, content is easy and you can always just upgrade storage space and it's getting cheaper and more accessible. It's just like having, like, um, I used to have like an entire wall of uh, GameCube and Wii games like three or four shelves full of just all the games that we played and we had a whole shelf of games we haven't played and it's like once you start it like we started moving games over after we played them put them in order or whatever we would make like um sort of like a tier list of our games within the shelf itself and that stuff is just like it's nice to have it's nice to have like a physical representation of like what you put your time in there's also something just nice about being like hey i think you should play this game here yeah and and just handing someone a box with the copy of the game in it and being like hey i you really need to experience this which you don't get with digital games it's a lot more oh i should wait for it to go on a sale and pick it up and then it which Sales are the craziest, coolest thing now that there's always sales going on on games everywhere to a point where, hey, I want to pick up XCOM. Where can I go pick it up? And you find six different websites that are selling it at half price because that's just how they work. Yeah, that's what everyone actually in my neighborhood did. We had like three or four people on our block where we would just send games over from one house to another. It's like, oh, you want to play this game? just basically send me something that i i would be interested in and it's like you could it's kind of like a community thing too yeah. it's kind of like the grand exchange in runescape <laughs> you're just you're sliding games to each other and you're like oh, buying girlfriend looking for a copy of spyro for ps2 mm-hmm. want to buy gf 
That's the only thing I know about that. Ooh, that wave the text. flash. Yeah. <laughs> wave flash will dance for GF. Uh, yeah. 10k gold. 10k gold an hour. <laughs> it's honest to God just crazy how the novelty of having a physical game where like you quite literally like I have a whole shelf full of games and you know books and everything and to just like sit there and be able to look at them and be like damn dude this is my childhood this is my teenage like you can have the whole mm -hmm. separation where you can look at a game and be like I got this game when I was eight years old I didn't even yeah. know what the fuck I was doing with myself but here I have this game from all the way back then instead of sifting through your steam library at two in the morning and being like oh i haven't played this game since november huh yeah do i remember getting a copy of the original animal crossing on gamecube and that's just like burned into my memory now and you definitely uh, can still be like oh let me look through all these games that i played there's something special about having that physical copy like I bought a physical copy of League of Legends, and I still have it. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, you're right. That <laughs> used to be a physical copy before. It was just, oh, no. It's just crazy, man. It really is crazy. Plus, like, sometimes when you're looking through the through the big shelf of video games, you could just, like, why not just pop it out and play it? You know, but when you're going through Steam, it's like, oh, I don't even have this game downloaded. This game, uh, you know, I it's, haven't played it in like four months. Why would I bother playing it now? It's I'm a like, hell of a lot easier to grab a game from the shelf and be like, damn, dude, yeah. I haven't played this in a hot minute. Yeah. It's like you're just, you're like finding a, a literal game to just play, like on your Switch, even. And it's just, I'll play this one. I haven't played that in a while. I just play it. But I've never done that on Steam or yeah. like online games. I've never just looked at a game and been like, yeah, I haven't played you in seven months. I'll just play you now. Nah. You have to it, be like in a certain mood. It's a lot more overwhelming looking at a Steam library and just seeing, oh, I have <laughs> 600 games sitting here. What do I play? As opposed yeah. to, oh, here's three boxes, or, like, even, not even just three boxes, but looking at a wall of games is something different, because we could then look at what's on the wall, and you see each of the boxes, they all have different artwork on them. Which I think artwork, or, like, cover art for games, is part of the reason why physical games are so popular still. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. You, when you're walking through the GameStop or whatever game store you have locally and you're sitting there and you're like, damn, dude, I pulled this random-ass game off the Xbox 360 shelf and it's got a picture of a cool dude with a cool sword. I'm interested. Okay, mm -hmm. Asura's Wrath. Never yeah. played it. Dude, uh, that was entirely... That was a movie. Don't you uh, punch movie. God in that game? You punch multiple gods. Of course. <laughs> Oh no, there's something, I still have these memories burned in my head of 
when I got certain games. I remember waking up early when Crackdown 2 came out on 360 and going to GameStop that morning and waiting outside being like, I gotta pick it up, gotta pick it up. And then coming home with it, it were like, midnight releases. Midnight releases are a lot more lackluster when it's a digital versus a physical game. Mm. And the you make your own fun with that where like when animal crossing came out it was midnight we had a group of people waiting in discord just being like yo did you get in yet no no you didn't get in okay here try going to the e-shop and then reopening it and it should work and everyone was like oh holy shit let's go to each other's islands and then it was three in the morning and we were all like we should sleep but it's incredible <laughs> i don't know there's something have you guys been to midnight releases for any games? Like, in person? I was at the midnight release for Assassin's Creed 3. Dude. Because I was ridiculously hyped for that. Because, one, as just, like, a kind of history buff, I was very much interested in, like, colonial America. And yeah. the sort of dynamic that it had. Especially with, like, those of the native people. And it kind of showed that part where i was like oh hey this is really cool that and i love the assassin's creed games i love them still uh viking rap battles uh let's go um but i was sitting there uh with my dad at uh, like 11 30 he's uh sitting there with a coffee being like uh looking like a zombie and then uh, i just see these other guys around me and i start talking with this a uh, guy who's like twice my age at least uh, about it and just the how the other games were fun what we liked about them what we didn't what we're excited to see in this new game so that uh as ian had put there is a community around stuff like physical games and just physical releases uh that just sort of I guess help propagate the culture as... you see the community yeah you see the group of people that are also super excited for a game and like i went to destiny taken kings uh midnight launch which was ridiculous because that game wasn't even available to play for another six hours after the midnight launch so i literally picked it up and was like hey i have this what cool. do i do now <laughs> I bought the PS4 with that, so I was uh, sitting there, and I was like, awesome, I got this new PS4, I get to play Destiny, the new expansion, guess I'll do it in the morning. So I started updating that PS4 right away. I don't know, <laughs> the idea, like, I have memories of, like, midnight releases and, like, opening days for games, and it's something that you don't see often, but you see these communities come together and, like, celebrate this thing that everyone's excited for. And I feel like the only other time that I've really seen a community come together fully like that is MAGFest and, like, conventions where it's, like, everyone getting together, celebrating the stuff that they enjoy, and just, like, having a fun time with it. Bro, the cons and, like, MAGFest and everything like that is crazy because you could go there not knowing anybody and you could leave with like 15 to 20 new friends if you really tried to it you really see everyone in that community and you 
you get to talk with them and you have this common interest when you show up there and like i don't know if uh, you guys have favorite memories or anything from because so aside from everything uh we all went to magfest together which is music and games festival in maryland we went to at the national uh, gaylord hotel and yes that yes. is the name yes bitch <laughs> yes. yes honey <laughs> but so for some of you it was a first or second convention and it's like so i've been to a few of them and I want to hear, like, favorite experiences going to stuff like that where you get to see all this stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll take the reins on this. Um, MAGFest was my second convention. The only other convention I had went to was a couple months beforehand. Uh, for my 20th birthday, I had went with Brendan and a couple of our other mutual friends to Otakon down yeah, in, DC. Uh, in D.C. And... I had no idea what to expect, period, going into this. I had, you know, always seen, like, you know, the YouTuber videos where it's like, oh, welcome to TwitchCon. Oh, we're at Comic-Con. Woo! And you're like, dude, hey. that's so cool. I'm going to see all these YouTubers and everything's going to be super cool and everything. And I was so you know, ready for this storybook experience kind of thing. But what I got was something even better because I remember we woke up at, like, 7, <laughs> 8 o'clock, and Brendan, our, our volunteer driver, comes around and starts picking everybody up. And he picks up me, and he picks up our friend Nicole. And then we drive three hours down to go pick up our friend Mike from Rowan University. And we pick him up, and then we drive all the way straight to D.C. Just no stops, one day sitting there kind of thing. And I remember that drive being so much fun. And we were blasting anime intros and just geeking out and having a great time in the car. And we get there and our friend Mark meets us there by train. And I remember like, this was the first time I could check into a hotel by myself. I didn't need my parents or anything like that. And I was like, that's sick as fuck. It, it was a really weird experience with that. You know, they, they were calling me Mr. and Sir and everything. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm 20. <laughs> I just turned 20. You gotta, like, I am a fucking baby. But just going there and experiencing that, I was like, okay, cool. This is really amazing. And then after that, I became really close friends with Ryan. And Ryan kind of met everyone and became really close friends. And Ryan was like, let's go to MAGFest. And he kind of really pushed for it. And yeah. I remember we were sitting at Ian's house playing games at like 2 in the morning and eating lasagna. And Ryan was like... <laughs> Let's go to Mag I remember this. <laughs> yes. I remember yes. this. Ryan was like, let's go to MAGFest. And yeah. Ian was like, I've never been to any kind of convention. Ryan's like, we're going to MAGFest. <laughs> yeah. And what was it? Like, at least a week later, we were all uh, like, oh, yeah, we bought our tickets. Yeah. It was, he said that, and we had started planning. I think that was like September. Yeah. And then we had a couple months. We had was... a couple months to prep, and then November came around, and we all sat down and got into like a Discord call. And we're like, Ryan was at my house, and it was me and him in a Discord call, yeah. and Brendan and Ian online, and we all were there trying to book a hotel room together. Oh man, oh, I remember hotel. sitting in your room just at the computer, us just hanging out, just waiting for the timer to let us buy a ticket. You and were trying to teach me how to skateboard before that. Oh my god, that was and the same day. Because I, yeah. 
You, Brendan yeah. had brought his longboard. You and still have it. I still okay. have it. Yeah. It's in my closet. Um, And they were trying to teach me how to skateboard. And then Ryan's like, oh, shit, we should probably go get our hotel room. And we sat there and we're like shooting the shit, trying to book this hotel room, whatever. Then we all, we got the hotel room together and there was just this wave of hype over us. Like Ian never being to a convention, me only being to one. Everyone was like hyped for it. And Ian was like, let's go to the gym and get ripped before MAGFest. Yeah. And so there was like a couple month period. We were all just going to the gym together. And obviously it didn't work because hey, I'm hey. not ripped. We had a pretty good we, plan with yeah, that. We, we were a, on we it. A, we, we were had on a, a good, good grind. We got to start uh, that back up again. Please. Once we're able to, we absolutely need to. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was incredible having this wave of like hype over everyone and everything. Like we're sitting there ready and waiting for this convention. And it finally rolls around. And I really took a long kind of explanation to get into this, but. It was truly incredible just going there with my boys and having a great time. Like we had, we'd all bought Kigurumi onesies so we could yeah. go around the convention floor <laughs> and Kigurumi together, which quite honestly, we probably looked like the biggest losers ever, but it was entirely fun and very comfortable. We got compliments. We got compliments. We got people. We showed that, up on okay. their Instagram videos. We, we, we showed did. Up on, we were, we were did. on their YouTube channels. You could see four dudes in Kigurumis in the middle of like raves and shit. That's us. That's yeah. us. I, I could point out the, where we are in certain videos. But... We got a bright orange narwhal. We have a man in a panda. We have one in from the what was yours, daughter? Danganronpa. Uh, Danganronpa. Ryan's was from Danganronpa, but we swapped. <laughs> I never played yeah. that game before. <laughs> and we also, had a Fortnite llama. Fortnite llama. Yeah. And oh. some you know, whatever edgy murder bear. That Fortnite llama is like, you know, fucking sisterhood of traveling pants. That's going through all of us at some point. <laughs> oh, I, I got Brendan started with it. Brendan started it. It gave him Brendan wore it. It gave him some serious moose knuckles, so he passed it on to, to Ryan. <laughs> And Ryan wore it, and Ryan it's still wears so, it. It's so big on me because I'm a small dude, and. uh you know, it's just Brendan's like six foot two. I'm six and... foot two, and I have really wide shoulders. You're six I'm... foot two. I'm five ten. <laughs> Ryan's five ten and skinny. So it was the funniest thing. Ryan looked like he was wearing his dad's like. <laughs> My dad gave me his Kigurumi aware. He told me not to get doomers. a stain on it. And we're having all this fun doing that. But my favorite story, my absolute favorite story was I remember one of the nights Ryan was with one of his other friends and he showed up late to this, but we were at a rave and I remember seeing this really, really cute girl and I'm shy as fuck, dude. Like, I remember this. I know I like I probably if people have talked to me outside of this or whatever like I know my coworkers anyone who watches they're gonna say like oh what do you mean like you're pretty you know you seem pretty energetic pretty extroverted whatever but like I am shy as fuck when it comes to, like huge crowds and everything like that um I remember I saw this hella cute girl in a Wonder Woman costume and I remember turning to Ian and I was like shit dude that girl is really cute like that girl is really really fucking cute and Ian's like talk to her and I'm like I can't do that no I really cannot do that and Ian's like I'm gonna go hype you up and then you come talk to her and I was like yeah okay I could do that and I remember 
we were in the middle of this rave, and as he, he's saying he'll do that, we turn around and she's gone. Oh. And <laughs> we see her walking out of the thing, and I was like, God damn, it's over. And he's like, it's fine, dude. We'll get you another girl. Like, this will be fine. We'll have a fun time, whatever. And I remember just sitting there dancing or whatever, and I see her come back, and I'm like, Ian, Ian, Ian. Mind <laughs> you, we are still all in our animal kigurumis at this. We're so, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm wearing a teddy bear costume. Ian's a bright <laughs> orange narwhal. And I was like, Ian, Ian, help. And he tries to go find his way through the crowd to get to her. And he's trying to figure out a way to talk to her, whatever. And right as he's about to go up, I see him walking up to go be like, yo, my boy over there thinks you're hella cute, whatever. A guy puts his arm around her. Yeah. And it's her boyfriend that she was waiting for because she was text she was checking her phone con- like constantly, and the guy puts his arm around her and immediately Ian just like and turns around <laughs> and and I'm sitting there and I'm like <sighs> and like it's the biggest like the sad Naruto music everything was playing in my head I'm like defeated. We'll get so, him like, next time. Miss you failed. We'll get him we'll next, next time. <laughs> Real quick though, shout out to that girl. Like, if you were that girl in the Wonder Woman cosplay at Magfest when they were playing DJ Cutman, DJ Cutman, that set and everything like that. If you were that girl there, got my eyes on you. Which also, shout out to DJ Cutman because that dude, DJ Cutman, dude yeah. came up and had a conversation with us while we were just chilling during one of them yeah <laughs> we're, we're sitting yeah. on the back wall tired as fuck and he's done with his set and he's running out to take a break and he yeah. comes over and just talks to us i'm like it starts i think ryan was like yo dude nice set if you ever need like some kind of like music or video producer or anything <laughs> hit me up and the dude was like yeah okay and he starts talking to us back and forth and he's like he's like i'd really like to talk to you guys more but i, I i'm on my break i'll be right back and he just leaves coolest guy a cool. really chill dude everyone that we met there seemed to be like just super like open and welcoming to everyone <laughs> to kind of further expand on that at our hotel room unfortunately we weren't able to get one at, at like the actual resort itself so we got one just over the river like literally a five minute drive from the convention hall mm. and that and so they bang magfest had like cleared out an entire just floor for the people who were attending. And so what had happened was during like the day, uh, we mostly just kind of chilled in the hotel room and uh, just waited until the nighttime. And by the night time, we mean at least after midnight because that's when the raves would start. Magfest don't start till midnight. Magfest don't yeah. start till midnight. Um, a real party don't start till the kids well, go to sleep. They know you gotta sleep through the day so you can wake up at night. Exactly. Well, uh, I also have another one after this, but uh, we had decided to use those hotel like sticky notes. I think that, you had kind of talked about this last podcast. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, we had met people really cool. One guy was a YouTuber, guy just from Virginia, but one that I so if I've already talked about that one, the second I'm one sure you did. would be we had uh, – this was like the night after DJ set, uh, Cutman set and all of the other artists there. The second night, we weren't feeling it all too much, so we just kind of like left. It was maybe like 3 a.m. by that time, and 
maybe like just down the hall, we found this guy with just like a turntable and like some, he had set up speakers and everything. And there was a fucking mosh pit just straight in the center in front of this guy's uh, booth. <laughs> and at first we all just like, we're just sitting there listening to the music. Then Ian uh, starts going in dancing. Uh, we have the Kigurumi's on again and he's just going hard. I just remember that uh, because at some point we were all just in that mosh pit, just uh, yeah, uh, just having fun, making uh, talking to new people. Connor was chatting up another girl. <laughs> it was a hilarious thing because we okay, were like, wait. "All right." I just want to say you can't say I'm chatting up another girl. That makes me seem like a really shitty like. No, 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 no. Uh, no. But like, uh, what you people should know about conventions is you weren't talking to everyone. I- you could walk up to any person in a convention pretty much and start a conversation. Yeah. And I remember that night because at some point Ian's dancing in there and Ian can dance way better than I can. That or is hands down. <laughs> Ian's and probably the best dancer here. I'm just there having a good time. Thanks. And one of like the people there that I knew uh, just handed me a flask and... I was just like, oh, cool, they're giving me a flask, let me drink, however. And, uh, I don't remember much after that. (laughs) It was just, I drank, was in that whole mosh pit, and then I apparently was in the hotel room, and there's an amazing picture you guys got of me, (laughs) of a status of everyone (laughs) from the night and it's each of you and then me and i'm just (laughs) slumped just (laughs) Just we did a a day one reaction to magfest so it was like i was like hell yeah ian was like this is lit brendan was like nice and then ryan's just dead on the bed and i was like fucking deceased (laughs) (laughs) it just said deceased Uh. and (laughs) I think that was the night we ordered IHOP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. So that we talked about that last time, and I still don't remember most of that. I woke up the next morning and was just eating chicken tenders and waffles, uh, cold, just while everyone's <laughs> asleep. I'm just like, oh, sick, nice. <laughs> when did we get this? <laughs> I think easily one of the best i have a few moments there that were awesome i think the overall magfest was just an amazing experience getting to hang out with you guys and just like yeah be there to see you guys experience a different style of convention was amazing very different but (laughs) the best was it's like the spider-man shot of the two of them pointing at each other with me and a friend of mine co-worker person that i've gone to conventions with neither of us mentioned magfest at any point to each other of us going and then at one point i get a message from him seeing that i was there and he's like hold up a fucking minute are you here and i was like wait a minute you're here and it's just both of us just like holy shit we didn't know each other we're going to be here (laughs) where the fuck are you (laughs) that's why like so I went and met up with him, and I was like, oh, shit, like, at someone I know from other conventions and that, like, I'm good friends with is here. And, like, I hung out with him for a bit, but I, nothing beats us just, like, chilling, walking around the convention center, just, like, seeing the different games and stuff that they had there and, like, 
the music that they just were able to showcase at the event where there were points where we were just walking into the hall just being like, ah, we don't know what's playing. Uh, may as well check it out, though. And the mariachi band. Dude, the mariachi band was so, so hype. <laughs> it was so fun seeing a crowd of people just losing their minds to a mariachi band and then getting the mariachi band to do a shot <laughs> with... Oh man! But David Wise, yeah, David, David Wise. Wise just doing a shot with them on stage before performing was so surreal. That leads in perfectly to my favorite moment, though, because um, oh man! So I said before I was a huge Nintendo kid. We all we you know I grew up in Nintendo household. Um, Donkey Kong Country, uh. Diddy's Conquest specifically was like the game that me and my brother, older brother Elliot, would play like almost every single day we got at home after school. That was like a huge one. We probably put like 70 hours in that game. Um, oh man, such a fun game. Anyway, so um, the musical composer of that game is David Wise. And he makes beautiful soundtracks and I geek over them and oh, they just bring me so much emotion. And it's if like, you've ever been in a discord call with Ian and there's nothing going on, he'll just put 10 hours will, of sticker brush, sticker yeah, brush symphony, sticker in, brush symphony into, yep. into the, into the music bot in or any discord just, server. You just and you're just sitting it. there vibing for 10 hours to yeah, sticker brush me symphony. and Connor did that for, I think two hours or something. Or that underwater level theme. Oh yeah. Aquatic ambiance. Oh, yeah. I literally know like almost every song from that game. Um, it brings back so much nostalgia and it's such a great feeling. And to hear him do that on set at MAGFest was just enlightening. I was geeking. I probably almost cried like four or five times. The look um, on Ian's face. Oh my God. When they, cause oh I, my God. we had no idea he was showing yeah. up. We literally had just gone to this, yeah. this concert. I had no idea who he was. And we had no I, idea what was happening. And Ian, I think, they said coming up next was the David Wise Five. Yeah. And Ian was like, wait a minute. And they brought him out. Uh -huh. the first song from Donkey Kong Country Play, and Ian lost his shit. Yeah. So the thing was, when they announced David, uh, David Wise Five, I thought it was just like a band that got together and they like do his music. A tribute. They, yeah, a tribute. Um, I thought it was like that. No, it wasn't. And I kept looking at Connor, um, and then he showed up on stage, and I'm like, holy shit, my mouth dropped. My <laughs> eyes were wide as hell. Pupils <laughs> dilated. <laughs> you had the, like, it was like star-stuck look. A at fucking like... wave right over me. I'm like, no way. And I was like, Connor, Connor, you don't know what this is. You don't know who he is. I have to tell you. <laughs> I have to enlighten you. <laughs> and that's That whole set was so crazy. He started playing other um, music from their rare games, but I was taking Snapchats of that, sending it to my brother. I'm like, dude, Aquatic Ambiance, Sticker Brush Symphony. Like, it's crazy. And he's like, yo, that must be so nice. And like, hearing that in concert was just like majestic. It was so unreal it was it was by far my favorite moment of magfest you can quite literally say you lived your childhood oh yeah 
yeah, that was like, I, oh, yeah. It's awesome because MAGFest does themes for a lot of their, like, events. So that year was, like, the jungle and everything. Rumble in the jungle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Next year is, like, Doom-inspired, which... Oh my god, if we can get Doom music playing at one of these events, I will lose my mind. I'm going to be seeing so much, so much purple. (laughs) I just, I love the entire event, and I'm super glad that I got to share the experience, because it was my first time going to MAGFest, and getting to share it with you guys was really something else. You guys made it a ten times better event than it would have been if I just went with, like, random people. We, and... we started, we truly, honestly started a tradition that year. Like, oh, yeah. And we are, it's it's going to be an every year thing now. For sure. Conventions are just a different style. And the community around it, the stuff that people are sharing... Like, you really, you meet people there that, like, you talk to outside of conventions and stuff. At least, like, I do uh, talk to people from other conventions still. And I know some of you guys still follow people that we met there and stuff. I still talk to at least two of the guys fairly often. Yeah. Like, I still talk to uh, Ross and uh, I only know him, but I forget his name. I think, uh, but... Uh, the guy who used to work at the hotel. Yeah. And there was always points during the event where we were walking around and we, like, stumbled upon a whole nother building where it's just, hey, this is a building for, you know, tabletop games that we didn't expect. The quest giver. What I'm getting at is thank you guys for making my first MAGFest such a great experience. And I'm looking forward to it in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, to the rest of them. Oh, yeah. I can 100%. thank you guys for doing the same for me. So, so I think that's going to wrap up the topics for this week. Uh, A perfect I, heartfelt ending. It really is, I think. I think we... The memories from that event is It'll still in my mind. It'll stick with us for a lifetime, honestly. We made memories and bonds there that'll last a lifetime. Oh, yeah. I don't right. think without that we would be here now, so... Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. So, I'm gonna start closing out the episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, and let's see uh, what you guys want to plug. Uh, let's start with you, Connor. Alright. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at daboygram, D-A dot B-O-Y dot G-R-A-H-A-M if you want. I don't post often, but when I do, it's pretty good. Uh, my last post was Thirst Post Parody. It's pretty good. It was uh, great. I also stream live at Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash madboystreams. That's M-A-D-B-O-Y streams, yeah. all one word. Uh, I hit affiliate so I can actually make cash off of it and you know, make a, an actual community. I have a really talented artist who just finish making me a bunch of emotes and everything so that's all going live and everything so hopefully see you there all right and uh brennan anything you want to plug uh i plugged it last time i'm still working on uh editing photos and everything plug it again plug it again (laughs) for me to uh post but uh 
I have an Instagram for my photography that I'm getting more into. It's uh, synthetic lens, synthetic dot lens uh, on Instagram. I'm By the way, all of these are going to be in the description. Uh, click down below. Follow us. Subscribe. Love us, please. We love you. That's pretty much all I got. And Ian, got anything you want to plug? Um, I got Instagram. That's Ian's Culinary Life. All one word. Um, no apostrophe or anything. Uh, that's basically what I do at my work uh, for fun. Anything involving cooking. And I actually started streaming. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm working on that. I have a new graphics card coming, actually. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, Papa Fig with two P's. P-P-A-F-I-G. Papa Fig. Happy. Follow me there. Uh, I guess I'll plug my stuff. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that is The Rhino, and I'm going to be putting out a video in a few days talking about music and sounds in video games. We actually recorded right before this. Thank you, Connor and Brennan. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Instagram at the Rhino 100 and, you know, just stop by, check stuff out. I post a lot of photography stuff, just like urban exploration. And you uh, you stream, too. I do. Uh, I stream at the Rhino 100 on Twitch. I'm not as big as some other uh, people here, but I'm getting close. I just hit the big. 50 follower mark. <laughs> so... Thank you all for tuning in to the Madhouse podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode this week and hope you, you know, just like, comment, subscribe to it, share it with any friends that you think would be interested. And I hope you guys have a good one. If you made it this far in the video, comment a kissing emoji in the comments and I'll kiss you right back. <laughs> all right. And that's all for us this week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, guys. Peace. Peace out.